I feel really depressed that we don't have champagne. We'll go get it. Mmm, <laughs> this is delicious. Pop. <laughs> oh no, it bubbled over. I mean, I could go get it. Thank you God have to run. I'll time you. Should we do Vitsy? I, mean, I, I don't like Vitsy. I think you should run down there and I'll time you. Okay. Welcome to Bubbles and Books, a podcast about two of the best things in life, books and champagne, brought to you by Amanda and Ellen, co-owners of your local independent bookstore, Dog-Eared Books in Ames, Iowa. First, give me a cheers. Okay, we're ready. And yeah. books are sexy. We only had... One bottle of bubbles left in all of our dog-eared books champagne collection because Shit. we celebrated Small Business Saturday, and that requires bubbles. Woo, woo, woo. And it was especially exceptional because Rachel brought out her secret skill of savoring. Oh, yeah. Post the video in the show notes, please. She, she sabered. A butter knife. <laughs> she only needs a butter knife, and she can pop the top. She asked me to do it, and my husband had just recently almost cut off the tip of his finger. I mean, he actually did cut off the tip of his finger with a recently sharpened knife while trying to make beef stew, and so I was not touching that. So a nipple piercing would be nothing for him. I guess not. Okay, Trader Joe's this week has a really adorable guy on a horse. Le Burgundy, a Cremant de Bourgogne. Oh, 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 baguette, Eiffel Tower. The important word <laughs> is it's dry and it comes from France. So good job, Trader Joe's, importing the best. Here we go. Yahtzee. Nice. All right. On this special edition of Bubbles and Books, we have invited our bookseller extraordinaire, who wears many hats, Mariah McGuire. Have you been on the podcast before? I believe you have. She's been on the podcast many times. <laughs> many, many times. Only when you want to promote something, though. Yeah, you're really good at that. Um, <laughs> That's what we used you for, Mariah. Know your place. A little sip will do? Yeah. Okay. <gasps> Mariah, it's not eight in the morning. <gasps> Mariah usually likes to have orange juice to temper her bubbles. We forgive her for that horrible practice. I think there's months-old orange juice in the fridge back there. there. Anyway, uh, we're going to talk about what we're reading, but then we have a very specific uh, topic in mind to discuss with you because you did uh, put together a fun project for us this holiday season. Anyway, let's start with what we're reading. Ellen, what are you reading right now? I'm reading two books, and the reason I'm reading two books is because I'm lazy. I was really enjoying one book. And I was sitting on my couch, and I was like, I should I should read right now. I'm really liking that book. And then I thought to myself, I, that means I would have to get out of this couch and go get the book upstairs. Or I could reach over to this bookshelf and grab a different book, is, which is what I did. And it's, it was great because now I'm really enjoying two books. Do you want to tell us what they are? Yes, but okay. I just wanted to tell you why I'm reading two books. Okay, good. I support you in doing that. You know, when you ha- get a new couch and it's like really comfy and squishy Just and deep, you know, you can't get up. You can sit down. Kids you, ruin it. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Anyway, yeah, the boys were jumping from the staircase onto the couch, and I was like, uh, "Shut uh, that shit down!" No, shut that shit right down. I am reading "Wandering Stars" by Tommy Orange. This is a February release. Mm. I love Tommy Orange. His debut novel, "There There," came out, I believe, in twenty eighteen. 
and it's centered, it's a novel kind of in stories, and it centers around um, all the events leading up to a powwow. It takes place in Oakland, California. Uh, all indigenous characters, Tommy Orange is Cheyenne and Arapaho, I think. And um, this this big event happens at the powwow, and everything builds to that, and all the characters are connected, sometimes very loosely connected. And Wandering Stars, so I've been looking forward to Wandering Stars because I loved They're There. I thought it was genius. I think his writing is brilliant. Wandering Stars actually has a little bit of crossover. There are some characters in They're There that appear in Wandering Stars, but it is not a sequel. What's awesome about Wandering Stars is the way it's constructed. It follows um, the history of one family. And it starts in 1864 with the story of Jude Starr, who escapes the Sand Creek Massacre, which was a real massacre um, in Oklahoma, uh, you know, of indigenous people um, who were forced to camp by this creek in seeking shelter at a fort that they were told they could seek shelter at. And so the first chapter is Jude's story. He escapes what happens afterward. The second chapter is his son Charles's story. And then the next chapter is Charles's partner's story. And then the chapter after that is their daughter's story. And it goes down through the family line. Mm -hmm. And each character, I think what it shows really beautifully is the importance of storytelling and passing down stories. But what is lost through generations, especially when you are a people who who is always the target of trying to have your culture wiped out, right? Like if you're a native, if you're a native indigenous person to the United States, you have had so much over time of people just trying to erase who you are, right? where you live, what you believe. And so it does a really good job of contextualizing that generational trauma. And so it follows this family, Jude Starr's family, all the way to present day, which is the part I'm in now. Oh, I love that. And it's cool because it's like, you know, things about these characters, like their family history that they don't know. And you're like, oh, I wish you knew this. Like, I wish you knew Mm -hmm. where you came from. Like, and they don't know it. Uh, And it's just a really beautiful way, I think, of illustrating that problem. So Wandering Stars, love it. The other book I'm reading, dark as fuck, but really good. It's called Wolf at the Table by Adam Rapp. Comes out of March. It's about, it's like, it's like Hello Beautiful, but with serial killers. I cannot imagine how <laughs> that comes together. Okay. So it's like Because let sibling. me just say Hello Beautiful <laughs> is about four sisters retelling of little women. Tell me how serial killers work out. Okay. So it follows the Larkin family, uh, specifically the siblings. There are four sisters and one brother, and okay. it follows them through the years from their childhood into middle age. And it has all the, like, family dramas, resentments, estrangements, all of Mm -hmm. those things that you would expect to find in a, you know, decades-long family saga. Happens in Hello Beautiful. But they have um, these sort of brushes with evil along the way. So when they're children, there's a family down the block that's murdered, and the killer is never caught. Um, In... Their 20s, the brother has a run-in with John Wayne Gacy. He's at John Wayne Gacy's house. So he could have been a victim. And one of the characters becomes a nurse in a a prison where she's um, dealing with people who are in death row. But over time, you come to learn that one of these siblings might also possess 
true evil inside of them. Mm. And I think it's a pretty careful examination of like, is what we think of as evil, not somebody who just like commits crimes, but when you like a John Wayne Gacy, like someone who is fucking evil, mm-hmm. where does that come from? Mm-hmm. Does it come from trauma? Does it come from, are you, are they wired wrong? Like what mm-hmm. is it? Mm-hmm. And it's an examination of that. That's really dark. It's very well written. That's not what Hello Beautiful is about, people. <laughs> I'm yes, saying. We, we don't explore the banality of evil in but, Hello Beautiful by <laughs> Annie Apolitano. We do, we do not. But it, we do mm-hmm. explore those sort of sibling like relationships. And the way and how we all grow up differently in a family. And, exactly. Mm-hmm. How, you, how siblings experience their family and their childhood in different ways. And those are mm-hmm. complicated relationships. I can see. And who wrote this? Adam Rapp. He's actually a screenwriter. He's yeah. won a number of awards. His younger brother is Anthony Rapp, who is an actor. He was in Rent. Cool. Okay, that's why that's familiar. Mariah, what are you reading right now? Oh, I, why'd we skip you? Well, come back to me. I'm more interested in what you're reading. Um, so I actually just finished a couple books, and so I'm very in the very early stages of the books I'm reading now. But I just finished this tiktok sensation thank you that katie pressured me to read called butcher and blackbird it is mm. a horror dark rom-com uh starring two serial killer serial killers Ooh, i'm not i don't know how to speak about this book i'm not sure i would ever recommend it to another human person <laughs> Is it like really weird candy yeah. from another culture where you're like, no. our palate is not used to this? No, it's fully American. Um, <laughs> uh, let's just say the opening scene is with the female main character locked in a cage with a rotting corpse. And, the, and the main guy walks in to rescue her from this situation. And she's like, ooh, look, he's so sexy. <laughs> she can, Yeah. Whose brain can feel... Sexy feelings while in a cage with a corpse. Remember, this is a sex positive. Part. Yes. Uh, and it does have very <laughs> spicy sex scenes. Okay. Her sex scene writing, exquisite. It is probably the strangest book I've ever read. Oh, that's um, that's why you read it. So if you want to come to the store and talk to me about it, happily I will do so. Can we carry it on the shelves? Or <laughs> no, is this it's not just out more, yet. This is a staff exploration. It's um, not out yet. It was like indie published, I think, and now it's getting the traditional publishing are we, treatment. Are we going to carry it? I'll see after Katie finishes it. Okay. Um. So I just finished that one. And then like Total Whiplash 180. I also just finished Love Light Farms by B.K. Borison. Cute. Which is a friends to lovers centered on a Christmas tree farm. <laughs> of course. Christmas romance. It's a Taylor Swift song. Yeah. It was um very cute. Although the female main character wanted like made me want to grab her by the shoulders and be like, Boys who do not love you do not treat you like this. He loves mm. you. Uh-huh. Like, get a clue. You know it already. Yeah. So it was fun. It was cute. Totally the opposite of Butcher and Blackbird. Um, so then I finished those. And now I just started. I'm so excited for this title. Bora Chung's new short story collection called Your Utopia. And we know about Bora Chung because of... She wrote the collection Cursed Bunny, um, which, which was... sold, like, paint, hot pancakes. Yeah. Kind of 
Sold like pancakes. Hotcakes. Hotcakes. Hot there we go. Hot um, cakes. You go on the right track. That title was shortlisted for the International Booker in 2022. It should have won. I have now read half of that Booker shortlist and stand by that statement so thoroughly. Um, it was translated by Anton Herr, who is my favorite translator, and he is working with her again for Your Utopia. And Bora Chung's stuff is always so strange and creepy in this ineffable way and the first short story of your utopia which comes out at the end of january is about this center for the study of immortality and our um protagonist in the short story is like the person on the lowest rung and the whole story is about her having to do these mundane tasks to organize this gala that they're holding and then in the last page and a half, it has this magnificent turn. And she is just the master of short fiction, changing the way you see the world. Cool. Um, and then the last book that I'm going to talk about, because um, I'm always reading like 15 books at once, is um, Eight Bears. Oh my god! Which in our history section, right? Nature, yeah. Nature. I can't okay. remember the author's name. I her last name is Dickie. I think it's maybe Gloria. Dickie. It's got a killer cover. It's got a great cover, and okay. um, it is all about how there are only eight bear species in the world. There's like forty different species of cats, over thirty different species of dogs, like hundreds of bird species, but there are only eight bear species. And like, yet they have this overpowered representation in our myths and legends. Mm. Um, like Antarctica and Arctic, like the Arctic are literally where there are bears versus where there are no bears. Like that's what those words mean. Um, and so each chapter of the book goes. Arctic versus Antarctic means yeah. bears or no bears. Yeah. Weird. And like John Green talks about this a little bit in the Anthropocene Reviewed when he reviews teddy bears, um, how the word bear, and I'm not going to remember this properly, but it, it means something like the thing that cannot be spoken of because bears were so frightening. Um, but that's only in the Western world in, in Europe. And so what do bears a, look like these actual physical species in different parts of the world, but also what place do they occupy in culture? Um, and so I've read the chapters on the spectacled bear in South America, the sloth bear in India, and now I'm on the chapter for the panda bear. And I will be very curious whether they ever mention Winnie the Pooh because- They already of- have. They yes. have. Yep. yep. <laughs> my favorite children's book illustrated by my favorite illustrator, Sophie Blackall, is Finding Winnie. And it's mm. about the bear who is found at a train station in Canada when someone is shipping off to war. Mm. And he can't stand this this um, army recruit, I guess you would say, can't. And he, he might have been higher up than just mm. an army recruit. But he can't stand the idea of this poor bear being chained to this man who just wants to sell him for a penny. So the bear comes with the army to war and mm. becomes their mascot. And eventually makes its way to the London Zoo to be discovered by a Milne who turns it into a beautiful story. That's so, really lovely. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, I'm That's really, my favorite bear story. Yeah. The real story of the bear that inspired Winnie the Pooh, which became over commercialized by Disney. Yeah. 
Um, in in Eight Bears, it's talking about how Winnie the Pooh is banned in China because um, apparently there's this photo of the current leader of China standing next to Barack Obama, and Obama obviously was a physically fit gentleman. And this Chinese leader was not. And so people started calling this Chinese leader Winnie the Pooh. Aww. And so the Chinese government banned Winnie, Winnie the, the Pooh. Pooh and the Christopher Robin movie um, because of these unsavory comparisons <laughs> being made. So anyway. I had a Pooh bear, a stuffed Winnie the Pooh that my aunt made that I slept with all the way through high school. Oh, <laughs> how embarrassing for you to admit on the podcast. How embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Amanda, what are you reading? I am reading a book that you can appreciate because it's a translated novel. It's translated from Korean. It was sent to me by um, an enthusiastic publicist who wanted it to be on our radar. It was already on my radar, so I was happy to have the copy of it. It's called Welcome to the Hunumdong Bookshop, and it's by Huang Bo-Rum. Translated by Shauna Tan. And it is a novel about a middle age. And, you know, middle age is very subjective. Is she like upper 30s, lower 40s? I don't I don't know. She's generally middle age. I'm 40 something. I would consider myself middle age. But um, Yongju leaves a high pressure job to open a bookshop in a little neighborhood is not on a main thoroughfare, but she is just going to do it. She picks the spot. She opens it up. It doesn't start out very well because she sits in her shop and she cries and she looks miserable. She has (laughs) people come in. They're like, Oh yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it starts out a little rough. She's recovering from a life change trauma. She is, we know she's been divorced. Her family's not happy about it and she's left a job. The details are not specified, but she has opened this bookshop. She is rekindling her childhood obsession with reading that had been killed by societal pressure to achieve, to work, to ascend the career ladder. And so she's reconnecting with that. She is recovering from her grief and she is slowly returning to a joy associated with reading and more cultivating what this bookshop can be for the neighborhood, the people who happen upon it, how she can engage more with the books. What does she stand for as a bookstore? What books make their ways onto the shelves? Which off community offerings does she have? Um, it is also about the characters that slowly become drawn into her orbit. So she has uh, a coffee man. You know, she'd been she'd been doing it all herself, but she bring, she hires on someone to do the coffee side of things, the coffee supplier, the bean supplier, um, someone who shows up at the store and is like, "How often do I need to order a drink to not be a nuisance taking up one of your tables?" Just sits at the table and stares, and every three hours orders a coffee. A young boy whose mother is sending him once a week to sit in the store because he has lost any purpose in life. He's in high school. And what you come to realize is this is a book about Korean culture, this drive to succeed and achieve, 
perfection, work all day, every day, but also the failure of the economy to provide the jobs that these people have been prepped to achieve. They've worked every single day of their lives to have perfect test scores, get into the best college, and then, you know, get job interviews and they come up empty handed. And those who do enter the workforce and work their selves to the point of exhaustion are so unhappy. So this is a book that I'm coming to discover is about what is life actually about? How do we spend our time? And what kind of life do you have if you are living to work and work and work and work? And then at the end of the day, you have nothing else and you're just exhausted. And what does it look like when you break down under that pressure? And so each of the, many of the characters are facing this uh, friction with their culture that has a prescribed way of, you know, having work ethic and achievement and falling short or choosing differently. And how do you reckon with making those different choices while getting um, maybe societal pressure that you're a failure or family pressure that you're a failure. Um, it feels like a book like A Man Called Uwe, where you have these group of characters brought together to teach you a broader lesson. Mm -hmm. So I am reading that and I find it interesting, the little tidbits throughout the novel that relate to the job of a bookstore owner. Will I carry this book because I'll sell a million of it? Or do I just not care about that book? Like, I don't want it. You know, do I do I bring it in? Do I give it the space, you know, to sell a million copies? Or do I highlight the books that I really believe will change people's experience with the world? How do we connect with individual characters and customers that come into our store who we know need connection? What sort of events do we offer? We we love certain events, but we also hate the anxiety associated with the events. So I'm enjoying watching uh, the description of this bookstore owner and all the choices she has to make. Um, so that's really fun. And that will be out in Feb February. February. That's a February release. Sorry February that we're all reading books that you cannot no, you know what though? You know what you TBR. can do though? You know what you can do though? Pre-order it. You can go to www.dogyardbooksames.com, search for those titles, and you can order them with us. You can. Or you can go to bookshop.org through Dogyard Books and order it that way. Yeah, it's really good. Now, this is a perfect moment to take a break to tell you a little bit about one of our additional services for which we do all this reading. Back in a minute. Subscriptions, subscriptions, yay! Woof, woof, woof. Sorry. <laughs> All right, dog-eared subscriptions books offers. Oh my god! Stop. <laughs> four different subscription options for those who want the very best books being published each month delivered to your door, handpicked by us. Little out of order there. 
we offer an adult fiction subscription. So Ellen and I's reading that we talk about every week on this podcast, we are picking for that subscription. We take it very seriously. We accept no mediocre players. This is just like <laughs> a team book quality. And so we're not we're always we're always reading months ahead. Mm-hmm. We're reading multiple books that are coming out each mm-hmm. month and we're choosing one that we think is exceptional. And I will tell you that we're not going to pick the one we all know, like Ian Patchett, Tom Lake, that came out this year. We already knew everybody was going to buy that book. She was out of contention because, you know, she's pretty awesome. We want to find the book that you wouldn't have discovered on your own. That's what you can count on from Dog-Eared Books. We will find you the best, new, beautiful stories that can enrich your reading life. Then we also have Love Unleashed which is curated by Katie Vanderpool, our bookseller extraordinaire, who is obsessed with all things romance. She reads like, I don't know how many books a month, like 30, something like that, 30 romances a month. So she is picking you the very best, most interesting, most innovative romances to spice up your life. That was a Spice Girls call out right there. And then... Ferocious readers. We have several several book club members working on that to find the best new chapter books aimed at kids in grades four through seven. This is where we grow kids into readers. We make them identify as readers and we discover what genre appeals to them. These books are illuminating and innovative and entertaining. They're really exciting. And... I get to pick all the picture books. So you're getting my taste. I like humor. I like beautiful artwork. I like quirkiness. I like translated books. I am picking the very best picture books being published each month to build a child's library, make reading time really special at home, that you're getting the best literature into your little growing child's mind. Subscriptions. So go to dogeardbooksames.com hit our subscriptions menu bar and see what all the options are that are available to you also in the show notes. Okay, welcome back. Here's the reason (laughs) why we drug. Dragged? Dragged? I hope we didn't drugged her. Yes, hello, HR. My bosses drugged me to be on the We dragged Mariah down. We literally dragged her down the street. We were like, bitch, you're coming with us. And drink. <laughs> and you have to drink, too. What is it called? Well, hazing. Alcohol is We've a been drug. hazing. We've been hazing. Mar- yeah. We're hazing Mariah because she created the Dog-Eared Books Holiday Gift Guide, which is a generous gift to us. It's something we've wanted to do for a long time, provide a guide for our customers that really elevates and highlights the book's that our team of readers think are the best giftable books this holiday season. There are a lot of best of lists out there. Each one of our booksellers has their favorite best of the year, but you have pulled our entire staff and pulled together the data and elevated up several titles in all of our genres that we believe would make for really excellent gifts for the readers in your life. Have I summarized that correctly, Mariah? You have. Thank you. Tell me a little bit more about what what you set out to do and how this list was generated. So 
beginning in probably like July or August, Amanda, Ellen, Emily, and I started talking about, um, okay, we want to do a gift guide because people come into our store with a panicked look in their eyes <laughs> and then shout adjectives at us. 15-year-old boy likes horses. Um, and then we make magic from those prompts. Um, and we are always, always happy to give you it's personalized so recommendations. It is yeah. truly the best part of the job. Um, but if you're in a rush or, um, you come in and there's not one of us available and you don't want to wait, this is the place that you can go to find a top quality book for whomever you're shopping for. Um, and so when I went about, uh, getting this guide ready to go, I put in the form that I wanted the most giftable, not necessarily the best, although I do think these are all books of exceptionally high quality. Yeah, they would hit in a lot of people's top 10 lists. Yes. I mean, I when I was filling it out, so the prompts were like most giftable fiction or, you yeah. know, something like that. I was thinking of, I mean, I chose one of my favorite books of the year. Yeah. I think I put Heaven and Earth Grocery Store in there. Yeah. Right. Because I was, but I also was thinking about like, what is something that would have like broad appeal mm -hmm. that I think most people after they read it would feel glad that they read yes. that book. Right. Because in those personalized, kind of, yeah. yeah, in the personalized interactions in the store, we can get into how wild and crazy is this person in right. their reading life. But if we're doing most giftable, we're thinking, what are the ones that have, as you said, the broadest appeal that we think the most, everyone should read these. That you would feel safe giving to a person. So for example, um, when I was thinking of my own picks for this, um, we went by category in our store, plus a couple bonus categories. So one of the categories we included was retellings. One of my favorite books of the year is obviously Genevieve Gornacek's uh, The Weaver and the Witch Queen, which is on this because I would feel comfortable giving that to anybody. But one of my other favorite books of the year is called Medusa's Sisters by Lauren uh, J.A. Bear. And I adore this novel. I still don't have words to express like what it meant to me, but it's hard. Like it opens with the beheading of Medusa. Mm -hmm. There is the rape of Medusa in this book. And while I think it is an exceptional piece of literature, I wouldn't want to be handing it out without knowing, oh, is this going to be something that's going to like really hurt someone if they mm -hmm. read it without knowing? And mm -hmm. so I didn't include that in the guide. Um, and so the books in here, you can feel really safe um, on the whole, giving them to people. Um, and we'll, we'll be linking in the show notes to the entire guide, yep. but we're going to be running through some highlights. Yes. Talking about them, maybe some that made the list, some that didn't make the list, just as you've said. But what were you going to say? I was going to say, so when I was amalgamating all of these, I had everybody list as many titles as they wanted. And then I saw, okay, well, Heaven and Earth Grocery Store was like a unanimous pick among all of our staff. And so this that's is definitely in our going fiction on. section. Yes. Uh, we all agreed Heaven and Earth Grocery Store by James McBride was a unanimous pick. You've seen it on a lot of lists. There's a reason why. Yes. This is classic storytelling. Like, I feel like this brings me back to some of the very best novels that made me a reader as a middle grade reader. There's yeah. something about the way it 
pulls out your heartstrings and creates a cast of characters that you care deeply about. You know, you've got your villains, you've got the people you don't know where they stand. It's just beautiful storytelling. It's historical fiction and enlightens you to a time period. Um, that you- and it shows you like, well, it um, doesn't brush under the rug the worst in humanity. It also shows you the potential we can have. Yeah, that there's by something treating worth treating saving. each other with love and with kindness. Right. Yeah. It is a book that believes in the best of us. Yes. Yes. And a lot of times we need hope like that. And yep. that's why it makes it so giftable. Yeah. Um and so all of these picks in the guide are like more than one person brought mm-hmm. them up. Um, um I want to mention um also in fiction Tom Lake by Ann Patchett. This has been my favorite Ann Patchett. Me too. I loved it. <laughs> it's so good. And again, uh, one of the reasons why I think it is so giftable is about family relationships. Mm-hmm. It's about a mother and her daughters and about sharing of oneself. And, you know, sometimes it's those magical moments around the holidays in which you get to learn a little bit deeper about a member of your family. Um, this takes place, I will say, slightly in the pandemic. This is not a pandemic novel. It's not all about COVID, but the prompt is a family's back together on the Michigan cherry farm that the mother and father run and have three daughters who are helping out for the summer because each of their lives has been put on hold in some way. And the forced proximity of the time together there in Michigan has finally gotten their mother into a corner where she has to tell more about the summer she spent as a nearly famous actress who starred in a community theater that is well-regarded and starred alongside a man who went on to become a very famous actor and their children know that she had a romantic relationship with this individual during that summer at Tom Lake theater, mm-hmm. but they don't know what ended it. What happened? Why didn't their mother go on to become as famous as this man? How did she end up on a Michigan cherry farm? And so through the course of the novel, it's slowly revealed what exactly happened this summer that she spent at Tom Lake, the community yeah. theater. So it's, it very much has ties to our town because the, the play that she's always starring in is our town. And you don't have to be familiar with our town to read this book. But I think that the parallel that is drawn here and sort of one of the messages of the story, in addition to like knowing your family members, like especially your parents and your grandparents or so much you don't know, um, is that there is beauty in an ordinary life or what we might, might think of as a simple, ordinary mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it is meaning, as meaningful and beautiful as the stars of Hollywood. <clears throat> Exactly. Maybe more beautiful. And isn't it so weird that two books that are odes to our town came out around the same time <laughs> this summer? They laugh, but it's true. Shark Heart by Emily Hebeck, which also has been on a bunch of bestseller lists of the year, yes. is also an ode to our town. Uh, I agree. I think Tom Lake is a little bit more strong in its ode. Yeah. <laughs> But it is funny when you see these connected threads between works of art. Um, 
that you know that artists are kind of mulling over, the writers are mulling yeah. over the same concepts. Um, also on fiction, we have Yellow Face by R.F. Kuang. R.F. Kuang is a beloved author at Dog Eared Books. Yes. We love Babel. Um, what's fun about R.F. Kuang is the the books that the author puts out are never the same, never the same, wildly different. Yeah. Um, so how did yellow face make the list? Uh, well, because it was mentioned more than once Mm -hmm. and also because, um, I was putting it together Uh (laughs) and I love yellow face. I, um, actually recently read yellow face and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And I think the other two books, um, we've already waxed poetic about. Mm -hmm. So I think this one provides a nice contrast in that it's definitely sharper and more cynical. So if you have someone in your life who isn't overly saccharine, um, yellow face would be a good place to go because it's whip smart. It breeds really fast. Um, it has interesting concepts in it that I think you could have a really fun time chatting about. Um, and it, it's just a great fucking book. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was a page turner. And yeah. I, I didn't think that it really would be because Babel was not a page turner. I loved Babel. I thought it was genius. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, yellow face I tore through. Yeah. And it was a book club pick, and we had a great discussion around it. Yeah. So, yeah. I just am grateful for Av Kuang putting out consistently good and yeah. interesting and surprising work. It makes you excited for the next book that you see coming out from this author. Yeah. Um, some honorable mentions in fiction that I, I desperately yeah, wanted to include. Right now, for um, me. Happiness Falls no. by Angie Kim. Go ahead. Sure. I adored that book no? i'm know? waiting for something else i got my opinions um, you don't like happiness wells yeah no i love it i'm so amanda's happy. mad at me because i didn't include american mermaid in here yeah it was the best and, hey and my rationale you know what, though? the two owners though would put it in their top yeah. two books of the year and and so let okay. me say the reason i didn't is also because there are some titles that are maybe oversaturated in our recommendations yeah sorry people who love dog-eared books Listen, know we love our american best mermaid. friend julia langbein is listening to this yeah. Julia, we love you. Your book was brilliant. So, but I would say it does come with the caveat of you have to be an adventurous reader. It is not overly challenging, but you got to... You got to be a playful reader. You got to have some fucking taste. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But Happiness Falls, go on. Happiness Falls is brilliant. Um, I don't think I've ever read a narrator Mm -hmm. whose voice is so singular as I did in that novel. Mm -hmm. It is moving and funny and mysterious and like... It's one of those books that Ellen would not shut up about, yep. which usually me, usually makes me like not want to read a book. Yeah, it's hard. And um, have I pressure. steered you wrong, Mariah? Yeah, okay, whatever. And ha- it's a yes or no question. When I have raved about a book and you've read it, of of the three that this has happened for, two of the three have been my favorites of the year. Thank you. Um, Thank so you. Chain Gang All Stars, yep. which is featured later on this list, um, and Happiness Falls are definitely in my top five of the year. They they are brilliant. She has good taste. Um, all right, let's talk about romance. Our romance readers are voracious. They're mm-hmm. loyal. They're insatiable. So I, when browsing this list, I'm like, yeah, these are like home run hits. Yep. Um, Julie Soto, author of Forget Me Not, 
this is just kind of like a quirky cover. Like it's kind of like dark and I love the neon green font on the cover. This is one of Katie's staff picks. I know she's really interested in this author. It has another mm-hmm. book coming out in the spring. Um, this one hit the list. Um, what, what pulled it to the top? Uh, I mean, it was mentioned more than once. I also knew it was one of Katie's favorites. And when I was doing our romance one specifically, I wanted to make sure I was featuring titles that we adore, mm-hmm. but also weren't ones that everyone would know already. Right. And I is also, this Julie's debut? I actually don't know. Um, um, Julie, Julie Soto. Soto. Um, I also wanted to include a variety of spice levels. And yeah. also, since we have so many romance readers on staff, I wanted to make sure each one of our favorites would be represented. And so Forget Me Not is Katie's favorite. Um, the Seven Year Slip is one of my favorites. Of the I year. love this. Can we just talk about this? Yes. Because Ashley Poston is the author of The Dead Romantics, which yes. you loved. And it's a similar, like, like Starcrossed Lovers kind of situation in both books, right? Yes. Because it's either time or mortality yes. that is keeping people <laughs> apart. Tell us about the seven-year slip and also why it gets a green bell pepper on the pepper spice level, because I love that you um, D- Deanne pepper. actually told me about the bell pepper spice level. <laughs> um, the seven-year slip is about an overworked book publicist named Clementine who is moving into her beloved late aunt's apartment, only to find out that she has a temporary roommate um, who is, oh no, very hot, and oh no, literally living seven years in the past. Um, Can they touch? Yeah. But they don't bang enough to get five <laughs> peppers. I, now, this one I read like in February, okay. so I don't recall exactly how spicy okay. it was. Because I want to know if they're in different time periods, can they still... It is a romance novel, and romance novels are required to have happy endings, and okay. this has a happy ending, Aww. is what I'll say. Um, and so nobody writes what it is like to grieve and grow and love like Ashley Poston does, so I will trigger warning this one for mentions of suicide. Um, but like, it's such a ridiculous conceit and yet she is able to dig to the emotional truth and the emotional heart at the center of this absolutely bonkers situation. Um, she does come up with good bonkers scenarios, which is nice in a genre that has a lot of tropes. Okay. I have heard and I see that this accompanies this uh, recommendation is accompanied by Five Chili Peppers, Business or Pleasure mm-hmm. by Rachel Lynn Solomon comes with Five Chili Peppers. Yes. My daughter loved it. <laughs> <laughs> what are you letting your kids read, Amanda? I let them read smut. Um, <laughs> I, this is the one I would recommend to people who are just looking for that classic. But tell me how it made the list. Well, I know Rachel loves it. Um so if our Rachel loves it and it's super spicy, of course, I had to make the list. Yeah. Um, I have not had the pleasure of reading it yet um, because I become mired in my book club Tell books. us why you love it, Rachel. Yeah. Imagine Matt Donovan, the actor who played him, goes to all the cons and decides to write a memoir, but he needs a ghostwriter. But before he meets the ghostwriter, he has a one-night stand. Well, she turns out to be the ghostwriter, and he's like, well, why'd you leave in the night? And she's like, because it was bad. So she ends up taking the job, and it's a whole, like, sex lessons. Ooh. Ooh. 
That's sexy. So for that spice-loving reader in your life. Okay. Um, in sci- sci-fi fantasy, I see three very <laughs> delightful books. One that's been a great, um, strong seller, The Adventures of Amina Al-Sarafi. Mm-hmm. Um, and then two <laughs> just staff favorites because they're delightful. So run us through those real quick. Our picks for science fiction fantasy. Uh, I mean, Al Sarafi is one of my favorite books of the year. When we read it for Women from Other Worlds Book Club, it was like unanimously adored. It centers on a middle-aged pirate lady getting the band back together. It involves seafaring adventures and actual um, 14th century Indian Ocean piracy history. We love pirates. Ellen and I should love we pirates. Become pirates. We middle- should become should. middle-aged pirate ladies, like on Clear Lake. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, it's just a rollicking adventure with untold horrors Amina could never imagine and maybe an ex-husband or two. Um, S.A. Chakraborty is one of my favorite um, fantasy writers and I'm really hoping this becomes a series. Um, So a pirate cult. Yes. Pirate cult. Pirate cult. Pirate cult. Pirate cult. Rachel, are you going to be in the cult? Cultural appropriation to want to be a pirate is it? You no, don't want to I mean, be in the pirate all cult. people can be pirates. Yeah, all culture. Obviously, the I'm pirates. the pirate cult leader. If you Ellen is the queen pirate. All right, Luffy, if you want <laughs> that's right. If you um I do know because I have a kid obsessed with One Piece. Um, and that's what he's getting for Christmas, all one piece shit. Anyway, and when you Google One Piece, they keep you keep getting swimsuits. It's really annoying. Oh. Anyway, <laughs> Rachel, if you join the pirate cult. I'll let you sleep in the captain chambers. Not in my bed. That would be strange. But you can have like a little pallet on the floor. <laughs> so that generous. Is, that is what's really important. Okay, um, now tell us about Encyclopedia of Fairies because this is Emily Wilde's Encyclopedia of Fairies is a runaway dog-eared books bestseller. Yes. We now know the author. Yes. Tell us. Um, I think like five of us on staff have read this one. It is like swoony and sweet, but also like a deliciously dark story of morally gray fairies. It's the beginning of a series. I've already read the second one. It's just as fantastic. Um, It hits a lot of different spots in fantasy and it hits them all so well. We're going to be doing a special book club in January about this book where we are zooming in Heather Fawcett. I adore this book. It's one of my, again, top five favorites of the year. Just absolutely brilliant. I cannot recommend it enough. Um, and then we also included Starter Villain by John Scalzi, who I the got The cover to meet. sells it. Thank you for meeting yes. him. Um, it is just a rollicking, fun sci-fi adventure where the hapless normie nephew of a billionaire inherits his uncle's super villainy business. And there are sentient um, house-owning cats. Love it. Um, just a lot of fun. Sold. All right. Mystery thriller. We have three very good selections. I can speak to two of them. The first is My Murder by Katie Williams. How did this make the list? Uh, because I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I read it. Um, and they also read it for Thrills and Chills. And it's one of our hosts, um, Jordan Anderson's favorite. And it is mysteries. one of our, it's, 
it's really getting up there with our romance book club in terms of fervent participation. They are picking amazing books and these people love them. So my murder, tell us. It has a little bit of sci-fi, but it's about a woman who has been cloned by the government after she was murdered by a serial killer and her and the other victims of the serial killer who have all been revived as it were um, have a support group that they meet in and as they're going through this group our main character begins to realize that her experience doesn't match up with the other victims and so she kind of sets out to solve her own murder. Like she might have been not killed by the same person. Correct. Ooh. Um, it has a brilliant twist. It's a book with a bunch of emotional intelligence mm-hmm. that looks at the different ways that victims can react to bad things that mm-hmm. happen in their lives. And I just feel like it allows for a lot of humanity in both its villains and its heroes. I think that when you're going to mystery thriller... If you're looking for something fresh, you got it here. Yes, 100%. Um, we have, I have some questions for you by Rebecca Mackay. Have we all read this? I've read it. I've, I've read, read it. it. Okay. Yeah, I so, adore this book. We love this. It's like true crime podcast. Um, it is, it was really, it was very much like listening to a true crime podcast. Yeah. We all got on the serial bandwagon. Did you listen to Serial? Amanda, Serial was my singular obsession for years. Don't I even, continued to follow Adnan's post-conviction when relief. Cried? <laughs> when Adnan was, uh, had his conviction? No, yeah. when we Over had... Oh, Rabia, when Rabia, Rabia was here, Rabia the whole time when yes. Rabia was here, I'm like, Katie, am I being normal? I say as I'm hyperventilating. Context being that Rabia Chaudhry wrote about Adnan's case. Yes, and she is a close family friend of Adnan and his family, mm-hmm. and she was the one that brought the case to Sarah Koenig. Yeah. Um, for Sarah. And to blew it out of the water. Yes, and then yeah. did her own brilliant podcast after, I have to be honest, Serial fumbled the bag a little bit with the actual details of the case, mm-hmm. and her podcast, Undisclosed, has gone on to get several different people exonerated for crimes that they did not commit. So I have some questions for you is about a woman yes, who um, attended an elite private school and her experience was somewhat as an outsider. She wasn't one of the true financial elites, mm-hmm. um, but her roommate was murdered mm-hmm. on a night of frivolity. Yep. And there were different perspectives on who may have been involved and basically the community just moved on they threw a man to the wolves who was on staff similar to the Anansaya case yes. case and i feel like it was very loosely inspired by Anansaya i mean even the post conviction relief hearings right. match with Adnan's. right and so it's this idea of how to kind of wrap up an unsolved situation that's made yeah. many people uncomfortable or and when fearful. it's when it's unclear. Yeah. Like when, it, when there seems to be real doubt as to whether the person who's been blamed for the crime is actually responsible. Right. Right. But it's also about like me too reckonings. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. also about inappropriate relationships mm-hmm. between faculty and students. Right. Um, it, it is a very sophisticated, yeah. multi-layered novel about all of those things. It is the first book I read this year that truly wowed me. 
Um, I think I read it in January and it has not left my mind since. She is previously the author of The Great Believers, which, which I know is a favorite. The Pulitzer? You love that one. I've not read that one. Oh, shit. Okay, <laughs> cut that out. Okay. But I actually up. have it. I had it on my TBR. I do own that book. Okay. Um, next up is West Heart Kill by Dan McDorman. This is a dog pack subscription selection. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, we throw in a really great mystery into our subscription picks. West Heart Kill did it because it is so inventive and original and pays so much homage to the genre of mystery writing. Yeah, if you if you love mystery writing, you I think you kind of have to appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Um it's set in the 1970s, a private investigator through his connections to a wealthy family is visiting a special resort village where people summer um, together. Mm -hmm. Wealthy families who are already connected have a hunting grounds. People screw each other. People (laughs) end up dead. They literally screw each other. They drink a lot. And metaphorically. And it is Smoke a lot of weed. Yeah, it is very confusing who did what, Mm -hmm. when. But this novel is very sophisticated, is a very... Fun mind funk. Uh, so we loved it. I think also it is for a more open-minded reader. Yeah. Like you, if, if you go into it like expecting your normal mystery read, I think you might be disappointed. If you love the tropes of a, of mystery genres, I think you will enjoy it. Okay. Um, and since we've been going on about each book a little much, I'll maybe highlight... A couple titles in the other categories. Yeah. Um, retellings, we have some great ones in here. But definitely, if you have not already wet, read Weaver and the Witch Queen by Genevieve Gornachek, you gotta. It's funny. It's based in actual historical um, documents. And um, also, maybe your girl is mentioned by name in the acknowledgments. Yeah. Um, it's a great book. It's a fantastic follow-up to Genevieve's brilliant first novel, The Witch's Heart. Gotta check it out. Yeah. It's a great, satisfying read for people who love retellings based in traditional myths and yes. cultures. Um, this is well-researched. Um, from T. Kingfisher. Thornhead. Thornhead. It's so good. It's a retelling of... Um, Sleeping Beauty from the evil fairy godmother's perspective. Um, I openly wept over this one, but I'm a crybaby. And so it's I great because it's a nice thin novel. Yes, it's a novella. So it's a great way to have a very uh, enjoyable read in a short amount of time. Yes. Which if you want to start off your reading year, you know, yeah. pounding out a few titles, that's the one to do. Atlanta. Atlanta by Jennifer Saint. She is a great retellings author is this a rachel pick yes rachel pop in why do you love atalanta you can take my chair because i have to leave um i just like that it's the story of a character i hadn't really heard anything of before i'd heard mentions of but she was one of she was the only woman argonaut and so that's very what's an argonaut you know jason the argonauts to go get the golden fleece Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And so just being on the ship and it's a crew of all these like strong men and different people set, sent their champions, like different gods and stuff, sent their champions and Artemis wanted a champion. So she was raised by Artemis, having been 
first raised by bears because her father left her on the side of the mountain. So sounds familiar. I know, right? Dad, like thanks. unwanted being a woman. And mm-hmm. um it's just it was a really beautiful story. And then I think Jennifer Saint always does a really good job. Yeah, she is killer. You can always count on her. Okay, horror is an amazingly well-read section of our store. Couldn't have anticipated it. Don't love horror myself. I love our employees who read horror. Um, Bailey and I are so excited about our horror section in general, but these picks specifically. Um, we have another T. Kingfisher one here because, again, she's brilliant, a house with good bones. Um, it's like flower core horror. Um strange and a little bit more lighthearted but decidedly creepy it has a beautiful cover um we also included lone women by victor laval whose prose writing is phenomenal um and like just has this really lovely ending that ends with like queer found family situations um so it's definitely more like a literary read And then Red Rabbit is one that Bailey and I were both so excited and so blown away by. It's a horror Western that had me hooting and hollering. Um, It is somehow like winsome and charming, despite being like decidedly grisly and entirely of the horror genre. Um, I also super recommend this one on audio. Um, Just such a fun book. Okay, nonfiction. I I know you read everything, Mariah, so maybe you've read a few of these. Yes. I can't handle much nonfiction because I read for escapism. But I can tell you every single one on this list is one of our Dog-Eared Books bestsellers. So first on the list is Poverty by America, which I know is an important examination of how we end up with yep. a cycle of poverty. How did it make the list? Uh, it was like the number one title mentioned for several of our booksellers yeah. had a little mini book club surrounding this book. Um, they focus on different um, topics of discussion mm-hmm. around race. And so mm-hmm. this was one of their first picks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's by Matthew Desmond. Desmond. And um, it's been a bestseller since it hit the shelf. Now, David Graham, the author of The Wager, is best known for Killers of the Flower Moon, yes. which we can barely <laughs> keep on the shelves. Yes. It's going gangbusters um, because of Leonardo DiCaprio's directed. Martin Scorsese. And Martin Scorsese. Yeah. 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 And uh, The Wager is Ellen and I's favorite kind of history, and Ellen has read it. It is about seafaring, seafaring. Yeah, like a mutiny on a ship and then two different sets of survivors wash up on different shores with wildly different accounts of how everything went down. So pirates and shipwrecks. Yeah, and I feel like the winner for Ellen there, she loves a good shipwreck. Yeah, David Grant does a very good job of pulling together different narratives that explain conflicting history. There are different opinions about the killers of the flower moon. History told us, you know, one version, maybe with a deeper dive, we learn a little bit more about what happened. Yeah. So Soil by Camille Dungy. 
This was purely because I adore this book. I think it deserves way more recognition than it gets. It is a memoir written by a black woman who moved, I believe, from California to Colorado, and it's about her rewilding her yard. Um, And it's this beautiful exploration of nature and ecological concerns and how it will require both a diversity of cultivars, but also a diversity of cultural backgrounds um, to shepherd us forward into a future that is not filled with ecological disaster. Camille Dungy is a poet by trade, so her prose writing is so beautiful. I think this is one of the most giftable books of the year, period. The mm-hmm. cover is stunning. It is beautiful. Um, and like I, the depth of my love for this book is unfathomable. Okay, we have a few cookbooks. Yes. Sure. <laughs> okay, we do have staff who devour cookbooks. Um, I will say I'll weigh in on Skinny Taste Simple by Gina Homolka. I love Skinny Taste. Yes. I feel like when she got started, the whole idea of skinny was maybe a branding choice that she made that maybe she might not you know, choose yes. today. Because these books are just about real ingredients, really satisfying food, Mm -hmm. just smart choices and what you're putting into food. I love all my skinny taste recipes. Yeah. I made a recipe from that one literally last night. Right. Yeah. So this is my go-to. If I'm cooking for my family, my kids are super picky and I'm picky too, because I want real ingredients, good tasting food, rich recipes. Mm -hmm. So this is her newest addition, Skinny Taste Simple. The next up is every season is soup season. Everyone went crazy about this one when it came out. Um, My story of this cookbook is of love at first sight, separated by circumstance, but reunited by love. Okay, tell me how that Um, works out. It came into the store. I was shelving it on a new book Tuesday. I'm on a cookbook buying ban. So I said, Mariah, not today. And I put it on the shelf and then all day, because I was there open to close that day. I'm thinking, man, I really want that cookbook. And then I said, okay, if it's here at the end of the day, I will buy it. And then tragedy struck and a customer bought it. Um, heaven forbid. And so then I immediately ordered in a bunch more copies for the store and for myself. And it took weirdly long for it to come back mm-hmm. in. And it finally did. And it's one of my favorite cookbooks of the year. I love soup. Yes. Hey, soup is great. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, but what is so unique about this cookbook is it has ways to take these delicious soup recipes and reuse the leftovers and non-soup applications. Wow. So like the potato gruyere soup becomes the gravy for biscuits and gravy. Um, but it also has fantastic recipes for breads and salads and um it has quickly become a cookbook that i reach for again it's a swiss army knife of cookbooks yes okay the next one is for me thank you buzzworthy by jennifer crawl okay i love jennifer crawl so much she writes really great cookbooks with really great illustrators this is what i need in a cocktail book i need an illustration or a picture of what the cocktail should look like. I need a titch of historical information about where did this cocktail come from? What is it based on? And then I need an ingredient list that is doable in Ames, Iowa. Mm -hmm. I don't need to procure obscure ingredients. Mm -hmm. I want things that will be reusable and I want it fresh. I want it um, not... 
I, I just need it to be fresh. I don't want any fake ingredients. I don't want apple vodka. I want vodka with fresh apple juice. There's mm-hmm. a difference. Um, so Jennifer Crawl put out Buzzworthy. Each one of her cocktails is inspired by a great female writer. And the cocktails are inspired by the author's work and their lives. And it provides information about the author, their works, and explains how the drink is related. And I just love everything that she does. So you can follow her on Instagram, but really where the content is, is in her collection of cocktail books. We have every single one of them. Um, For busy readers, which... What I would say is busy people who want to be readers. Yes. We have quite a few of those. Um, these are people who don't feel like they have the ability to put a covenant of water in their reading life yes. right now. <laughs> they want to feel success with their reading life, but they don't have a lot of time. So we have some great ones on this list. Tell me about it. Yeah. So I included Ross Gay's newest one. Um, his collections of essays are always just phenomenal. He um, is great at writing books that are not pulling any punches when it comes to the state of the world, but also manage to find um, moments of joy and hopefulness and delight because this is the book of more delights, uh, his newest one. And they're just fantastic. Everyone. If anyone can find a silver lining, the silver lining is defined by how he writes and sees yes. the world. Yes. White um, dog, white cat, black dog yes. by Kelly Link has been in our short stories collection. Tell me about that. Um, this one was recommended to me by local author Rachel McKenney. Mm-hmm. Um, she was raving about it and not raving wrongly. Um, this collection of short stories is reimaginings of classic folk and fairy tales and like underexplored ones. Um, and each one is odd and unexpected and well-written. Um, and it just blew me away. I cannot stop thinking about this book. And since short stories are short, um, it's great for someone who only has time to read a chapter of something but wants to feel like they've accomplished something. I think that's a great selection for that kind of reader. I love that we squeaked in another romance. Yes. In this section, Practice Makes Perfect by Sarah Adams. I don't know anything about what this book is about, but I do know that my daughter Eloise loves it. And so tell me why it made the list. So Katie really wanted to include this one also, um, simply because like most romances, it flies by pretty quick. Um, And this one is just a really sweet, um, I'm not going to say simple read, but um, just delightful and fun and um, won't make you feel heavy after reading it. Yeah. Okay. We have a category called for the person who's read everything. Top of the list is Chain Gang All-Stars by Nane Kwame Ajay Brenya. We've talked about this ad nauseum on this podcast. You need to read this. Nobody's doing what he's doing. He was shorted for the National Book Award, in our opinion. Um, This is such a powerful novel and commentary on the incarceration system and on how we define an individual's humanity despite their mistakes. Also, our willingness to do dehumanize people who have made mistakes. Yep. And um, 
it is the most moving book that anyone who's read it has read this year. Yes. Every good review of it is underselling it. Yeah. Um, it's truly phenomenal. And there are a lot of awards given out every year. Um, and this definitely made the short list for an award. But a lot of times those award winners can feel challenging to the average reader. I have not met someone who hasn't been able to read this and love this. Correct. It is accessible to many people. Make you feel deep things. You'll be highly invested. This is something for everyone to read. Yes. All right. They're Going to Love You by Meg Howry. This is a Rachel pick. Um, They're Going to Love You. I just think it was a very under-the-radar book. Um, I think I found out about it because of Bellatrist, Mm -hmm. um, which is a celebrity book club. Um, It's Emma Roberts' book club, but she kind of chooses very unique reads. And it's one of three books that have ever made me cry. And I won't say I full-on cried, but I definitely teared up, and that's a cry in my opinion. But it's just it's a very sad hard look into family dynamics and relationships and even how like between a parent and child that bond can be broken while also being in the backdrop of like the AIDS crisis in the 80s a little bit and just um a parent like growing up as a child where a parent's discovery of themselves later in life and um also part of the ballet world which is such a hard like demon in itself as well so it's just a really really beautiful story that completely took my breath away Mm -hmm. that would surprise someone if they've read just so if they've read everything they this one would not have been one probably on their radar or had been picked up i know this next one comes from you mariah it's raw dog by jamie loftus um this one plenty of people did read um but i think way more need to it's um, one of my favorite nonfictions of the year. It is at once a food memoir, a travel log, um, a personal story of a relationship falling apart. It's witty and funny and at times weirdly horny. Um, it is just a book that contains so many multitudes. Jamie Loftus is brilliant. If you've never read her or heard of her, you should check this one out. The least of which is because the naked hardcover is beautiful. Um, the naked hardcover looks like what? Well, you'll have, have to come to find, in and see find it. Out. Um, Ooh, no yeah. spoilers here. It has really beautiful, beautiful. And by stuff. naked hardcover, we mean when you take the dust jacket yes. off the book, <laughs> the hardcover itself has a surprise for you, which I love to do in story time. Yeah. Story time with Lovey, we oftentimes peek beneath the dust jacket to see what designer reveals are hidden there yeah okay in young and doll you've read a study in drowning by Ava Reed, correct yes this is the last category that i had any say in or okay. knowledge of um so a study in drowning by Ava reed ava is primarily an adult fantasy writer she has written um the wolf and the Woodsman. yeah yep and juniper and thorn both of which are decidedly adult um a study in drowning is her ya debut it blew me away it was my whole personal personality for this entire fall. Um, if you like Divine Rivals, you need to read A Study in Drowning. Um, I prefer it, frankly. Um, and it is just this really moving story of a young woman carving a place for herself in a world that doesn't want her with a deeply atmospheric setting and um, a poignantly sweet romance. 
All right, next up is Those Peak Mountain Pink Mountain Nights by Jen Ferguson. Is this a Tom V pick? This is a Tom V pick. Um, she has great young adult selections and tastes. Yes, it's like a thriller mystery um, about indigenous teenagers. We are at the tail end of um, Indigenous History Month, so I implore you to pick this one up. Um, it is phenomenal. All right, and then we have Thieves Gambit by Kavion Lewis. Yes. Um, this one is a Haley pick who is one of our, um, newer staff members. And, um, it is a book about like a competition among thieves. Um, but our main character perhaps has higher stakes than everyone else does. So it fits, uh, the YA reader who loves a mystery and high stakes and, um, maybe people behaving badly. I love that. It's described as Inheritance Games meets Ocean's Eleven, which is yes. perfect. Um, I love seeing in our middle grade category, we have three ferocious readers picks. So Tom V and Jess Fora are great middle grade readers. And we do have others reading middle grade, but the two of them have come together to pick the very best coming out each month. Um, and they selected the cream of the crop. Um, for our gift guide, we have The Secret of Lillian Velvet by Jacqueline Moriarty. You, This is a twisty mystery. Um, you think you know what's happening one moment and you discover something entirely different. Um, it's fantasy. It is a puzzle. And it's about how one good deed can save an entire world. And we have a female protagonist named Lillian Velvet who has a secret of her own. She just doesn't know it yet. And then The Kingdom Over the Sea by Azora Navi. It is a fun adventure to a mystical land with 12-year-old Yara who must travel to an unknown city with only a strange set of instructions. There are sorceresses, alchemists, jinn flying carpets. It is very magical and a great adventure. And then I know that for Jess, this is one of her very favorites between monsters and marvels. When Dare is shipped off to the mainland, from the tiny island she calls home, she uncovers secrets about her father's death and the island itself. Do monsters exist? With help from unlikely sources, she discovers who she can trust, the line between good and evil, and who the real monsters are. Isn't this all of history? Who are the real monsters? <laughs> um, in graphic novels, we're highlighting a few favorites. Mexi Kid by Pedro Martin. My Aunt is a Monster by Romina Gee. And... Mabuhe by Zachary Sterling. We have had very enthusiastic reviews from our readers, Tom V and Roxy, on all three of these novels. They've also been featured in our Totally Graphic book club at various points. I have to say, I claim picture books and board books. Mm -hmm. um, I really like to look back on the year of reading and think about what were the cream of the crop. Um, I love How Dinosaurs Went Extinct by Amy Dykeman. She has a family visiting a natural history museum, examining the bones of dinosaurs. And the young child in this family says, well, how did dinosaurs really go extinct? And the older sister has the factual information. There might have been an asteroid. There might have been a great freeze. Dad pipes in and he says it's because they swallowed their gum. 
is because they tip back their chair. All the things we warn kids against doing, don't run with scissors. Those are the things that killed each of the dinosaurs. I love it. It's so funny. It's so smart. And it also has the phonetic um, pronunciations of each of these dinosaur varieties that I never know how to pronounce. So I appreciate that. My winner of the year was The House with the 100 Stories by Toshio Iwa. This is a Japanese import. It was a bestseller there. I love that the book is read vertically and it has an imaginative play on words. This is a house with 100 floors. Each floor has a story. Thus, it is the house with 100 stories. A young boy is invited to visit the top of this house with 100 floors. And along the way, he encounters all the animals and their lives and the stories they live on those floors. It is very anticlimactic. Once he gets up to the top, he gets to see the heavens and the stars and he makes a new friend. But it's that journey through each of the 100 stories that he gets. you get as the reader to examine the fine illustrated details. This is the kind of book that as a 30-year-old you'll recall and you'll say, what was that book? What was that book that had all those stories and all the animals living on all of them and the little frog who was doing its washing with rainwater? Um, finally, my favorite illustrator working today is Sophie Blackall. She put out, If I Was a Horse. And this is an ode to the imaginative qualities that are pure in young readers. I cannot remember what it is to pretend to be a dog or a squirrel or a raccoon, but if you are four years old, you know exactly how to be a horse. And so she's created a book that recalls her own memories of pretending to be a horse and what would life be like if she was a horse within her own family and in her school. And in our store, we have exclusive art prints signed by the illustrator that you can enjoy For babies, I have three new ones that I really want to highlight um, in Ford books. One is The Nose, Toes, and Tummy Book by Sally Nichols and Gosha Herba. I like this book because it is one of those interactive books that prompts the reader to tickle the tummy, to kiss the nose, to hold the fingers and the toes, but it shows a really diverse cast of characters, um, parents, caregivers that don't look plain and boring and generic. These are, it reflects the variety of life, the diversity of identities. I really love it. It's beautiful. Um, It's also a slightly oversized board book, which lasts well into the toddler years. Um, We have Baby's First Book of Band Books. It's never been more important to read a book like this. Um, This book highlights Uh, with imagery, some of the books that are frequently being pulled from our schools and libraries, but in words, it tells you what is the underlying message that we should have taken from these books. Not that there was profanity or sexual activity. It's that people fight for justice, that community comes together, that you're allowed your own identity. So it highlights the true message that we're supposed to get out of these books and why they belong in schools and libraries. So you should get that for every little child so they can be raised to be ambitious readers who read things that challenge their understanding of the world and help them believe more in themselves. And finally, Let's Find Yaya and Boo at Home by Andrew Knapp. I love Andrew Knapp so much. He is the greatest dog lover there is. He creates these amazing search and find images in which Yaya and Boo are sent into a scene to hide 
a little bit like where's Waldo. You need to find Yaya and you need to find Boo, two beautiful black and white dogs. And you also need to find three objects that he is hidden in this photographic scene. I always encourage parents when they buy one of Andrew Knapp's books to follow him on Instagram because you can see what he and Yaya and Boo are up to in the world. He understands what love is, what life is, and it's a beautiful person to connect with in the world. So that's our gift guide for the year. Wahoo. I hope you buy all the books. Yes. Every single one. Thanks for joining us. Cheers. Cheers. Okay. Mariah, guess what's coming out this week? Um, 17 books. I don't know if it's 17. I mean, probably. At least 17 At books least are 17 coming out this books. week. I don't know that that's the number. One book I'm excited about, I have had my eye on it, but I have not read it yet, is The Frozen River by Ariel Lawton. And it takes place in the late 1800s in Maine. And the main character, Martha, is a healer and a midwife. And she keeps like, um, very meticulously keeps a diary of the people she treats and the things that she observes. One day... Um, a body is discovered in the river, frozen in ice, and it is uh, one of the town's most uh, respected men in the community, but also a man who has been accused of rape um, fairly recently. And so Martha gets sort of, as the healer and the midwife in the community, she gets called in to sort of like almost investigate, see what happened to the guy, was it murder, was it not? And she gets drawn into... um, I guess, the mystery of what happened to him, but also uh, his guilt in this rape. So it sounds good. That sounds really good. And the cover, if I recall correctly, is like nice and wintry. The cover's very wintry. It, I will say it gives me um, opening scene of Yellow Jackets vibes. If you know, you know. I-Y-K-Y-K. Do you know? No. <laughs> A bitch running through the woods. Although... I I hope that Martha's fate is not that of the still mysterious fate of whoever is in that opening scene of Yellow Jackets. Yeah. Agree. If I'm sure that people who listen to this podcast watch Yellow Jackets because everybody watches Yellow Jackets. Everybody does, except for me. I'm too busy rewatching Doctor Who with my husband. (sighs) Okay. Next, we have The Wildest Son. This one looks fun. It's by Asha Lemmy. And it takes place after World War, World War II, and it's um, this author, uh, want-to-be-writer author, Delphine, leaves Paris, and she's on this personal journey because she wants to find her father, who she believes is Ernest Hemingway. So she travels around, she goes to Cuba, she's in the United States, she's an aspiring writer, so she's looking for Ernest Hemingway because she thinks he's her father, but also as an aspiring writer, and I think we can probably make the prediction that he's not really her father, I don't know, Uh, but it's really about her journey in becoming a writer and be learning about who she is and where she comes from. And lastly, we have a new book from Douglas Preston, he wrote Lost City of the Monkey God, which has been very popular in our store. And this one is called The Lost Tomb and Other Real Life Stories of Bones, Burials, and Murder, in which he goes all over the world 
and he works with archaeologists and all the interesting things he finds, like mass grave of animals killed by the asteroid that probably caused the extinction of dinosaurs. He found that, you guys. He is the one that found that? He was there. When the asteroid struck the Earth? (sighs) Maybe in another life, Mariah. Anyway, um, super fun. And if you've read his writing before, it's very, like, propulsive. Like, you want to keep going. So it's that type of nonfiction. Check it out. And then in kids, we have the latest installment in the Dragon Master series. This is Legends of the Star Dragon by Tracy West. And this is the 25th book in the series. Get it, Tracy. Get it, Tracy. All right, Mariah, what is popping at Dog-Eared Books this week? Well, it is a very exciting week, um, starting not with the least of which is story time on Wednesday at 10 a.m. with Amanda and Lovey. Your favorite store dog in all the land will be there with Amanda, uh, who is tied for first of your favorite owners of your local <laughs> independent bookstore. Of, of all of us. Of all of she us. She is the only attraction. Yes. No one else gives a fuck about any of us. That's true. Oops. Ellen. Mike. I thought, okay, listen, people. Oops, I didn't mean to do that. Listen, <laughs> this is important for our listeners to know. Amanda had to run back down to the bookstore to get a bottle of champagne, and I'm timing her. <laughs> so that is why my phone went off. She's yeah, taking is... longer than she should. Oh, there oh, she is. Oh, speak there of the she devil. Is. Okay. Um, Five minutes and 26 seconds. Good job. Oh, she had to stop for a scone, though. That's vital. And I had to talk to a customer. That is the last of the Trader Joe's. So where are we at? Um, well, I just talked about story time. All right. Keep going with what's popping in the um, store. And then most excitingly for the week, for me, at least, since I will get to be here, um, Thursday, December 7th in the evening, starting at 7, we are hosting our beloved Denise Williams for Cocktails and Convos for the uh, publication of her new book, Technically Yours. Several of our staff have read this one already and are raving about it. Um, If you haven't bought your ticket yet, you should. Um, It's going to be a really, really fun time. Um, Katie and Emily and I test ran some of the games we're going to be playing. (laughs) Um, And it was a hoot and a half. A hoot and a half. Yeah, we saw you guys at the cafe playing your romance games. (laughs) Yeah, we got some nice fancy hot chocolate and then had to teach Emily um, what a Prince Albert was. So, I mean, I don't know what that is. I would use an incognito window to, to Google that one, friends. <laughs> Why don't you just tell me? Because um, you don't know. Because my mom listens. It's what? A piercing on the penis. It's a piercing Whoa. on the penis. Why is that called the Prince Albert? Let me just say, when I started my Victorian studies, um, the professors made it very clear to always add Prince Albert, Victoria, or Prince Albert, uh, German, to whatever your search was. Because you had to search Prince Albert. For, oh, you didn't want to see Victorian dick pics. Studies. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, I'm not opposed to dick piercings. I mean, I personally uh, uh. <laughs> don't have a dick, so I can't pierce it. But I mean, I, I in theory, I'm I just, not opposed. Anyway, 
Uh, <laughs> go on, Mariah. What else is happening? Um, and to finish this beleaguered conversation, um, the last event at our store this week is um, totally graphic on Friday, December 8th from 5 to 6. And they will be discussing the book The Pirate and the Porcelain Girl by Emily Riesbeck and N.J. Barna. Cool beans. It it is going to be a grand old time. It is going to be a grand old time. Keep the champagne flowing and the, the books, books going. going. Remember, uh, subscribe, like, follow, because you want to find out what's happening in Dog Eared Books every single week. Yep. And if you don't live in Ames, you can always follow us on social or hit our website to order books. Follow us at, at Dog Eared Books Ames or at Dog Eared Books on TikTok. All right, listeners, keep the champagne flowing and the books going. This is so great. It's so great. <laughs>